We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, we all know that the Ravens lead the AFC North alongside the Cincinnati Bengals with a 3-3 and record. They can't feel too comfortable yet because the AFC North is completely up for grabs. The Browns are nipping at both of their heels with a 2-4 and record, and that's who they match up against next. It's Ravens versus Browns, divisional smash-mouth rivalry coming up. I'm here alongside my partner, Bobby Trossett, bringing you into the Ravens vault to look at all things Ravens, Browns, Bobby, Ravens have been reeling, but so have the Browns. Big divisional game coming up. A lot to get to in this game preview episode. We're going to have Tony Grossi be joining the show in a little bit here for the Cleveland perspective. And then obviously we we just have a lot of, I think, more long-winded conversations to dive into that maybe we just scratched the surface on in this week's morning vaults, right? Like Deshaun Jackson, Lamar's struggles in the fourth quarter, and specifically where this team is right now in the injury report. So those three things and a number of other topics certainly will be addressed over the course of the next hour or so. We might as well dive in. Yeah, let's do it. We'll get right to Tony. I'm sure a lot of people know his name, Tony Grossi. He's been a longtime voice uh, covering the Browns for for many years. He's he's with ESPN. He's been a Hall of Fame voter. Uh, he's done a little of everything. So lots of information, good knowledge coming from him. So let's jump into that. Okay, so Tony, for those who haven't been following within our audience, can you just give us a state of the Cleveland Browns through six weeks of football from your lens? Well, it's been very disappointing. They're they're at the urgent part of their season. Two and four, Baltimore and Cincinnati back to back. I really believe they either end up in first place in two weeks or their season is over. I mean, that's how bleak it is after losses to the Jets, the Chargers and the Patriots. Uh, you know, any chance of wild card is probably already eliminated. Their only chance of making the playoffs is winning the division, which is a lot more doable than it appears. It, they just have to do it and, and win their division games. So uh, it's it's the earliest must win uh, uh, I've been associated with. <laughs> hey, Tony, it looks like you just recently had, you know, Ravens executive vice president Ozzie Newton on your 100 years podcast. That's impressive that you got him because that man does not like to do media. But it sounded like you talked a little bit about Deshaun Watson's contract. What did you have to say about that? And maybe some other highlights you can share. Well, you know, Ozzie's not going to get involved in the controversy surrounding 
Deshaun's contract and how it might relate to Lamar Jackson's. Uh, he actually referred to the statement that uh, the owner, Stephen Bashotti, said, uh, what, last March or in March. Uh, mm-hmm. But on a pure football uh, issue, he surprised me in saying that he thought uh, the Browns did what they had to do to get the player that they think was going to put them over the top. So he's got a lot of respect for Andrew Barry, the the general manager here in Cleveland. I was surprised uh, that he was so diplomatic, considering you know what the uh, Watson contract has kind of had the consequences with Lamar Jackson. But he kind of stepped out of that issue and just commended the Browns and Andrew Barry, their general manager, for for doing what he had to do to get a player that Andrew and the Browns thought you know, was going to put them over the top. Hey, Tony, a quick follow-up to that with uh, Deshaun Watson. Now, I worked for the Ravens uh, during the time that, you know, there was the whole Ray Rice incident. And I can remember working there, and it just put a massive shadow over the entire franchise. It just it just had, like, this kind of gloomy mood over it while it was going on. Is there any sort of effect like that of signing Watson? What's the effect of, of him besides the suspension and the cap money spent there? Is there some sort of shadow that's cast there with it? Well, inside their building, you know, Watson has has been with the team again for the last two weeks. It's part of the, you know, part of the conditions of his suspension was he was allowed to come back and attend meetings at this point, not practicing yet for a couple more weeks. But internally, you don't get the impression there's any any cloud over that acquisition at all but externally it has just created you know a a polarization in the fan base there are still a lot of fans who didn't like it because of the you know circumstances of watson's problems and the um others think he's the missing link and yet here we are you know the season's going down the tubes and he's not eligible to play so fan base is one thing they're pretty negative about that, but uh, inside the building, I think they're hopeful that they could keep their heads above water uh, until he gets back and is able to play uh, December fourth for the first time. You know, I'm wondering with Baker Mayfield gone, <laughs> what is the temperature of both the locker room and maybe the fan base? Probably different temperatures, I would imagine. But from your perspective, with Baker and was it the right decision? You know, the Baker. Uh, transaction and and messy divorce uh also fractured the fan base because baker had his legion of fans he's very popular uh with the younger fan base but then again you know they probably things were just too murky for for it to continue there's a question about whether or not uh, they could go any further with baker jacoby Brissett came on as as the replacement for you know watson and and i think it's played better than anyone expected for the most part, but I'll tell you what, that first game of the season playing against Baker was such a critical uh, win for the Browns and they barely won it on a 58 yard field goal by a rookie kicker. Had they lost that game, this would have been a nightmare season. As it is, it's disappointing already, <laughs> but uh, just edging him by a point has helped get over Baker. All right, Tony, well, you mentioned Jacoby Brissett there. Now, I noticed last week that the Cleveland media had asked Kevin Stefanski if it was time to make a change at quarterback, and the head coach obviously sticking next to his quarterback, but what do you think about that? Do you think he should make a change? Well, the the one thing that Brissett 
was expected to do well was protect the football. Um, mm. Now he's got uh, five interceptions, and there's starting to be a problem. So uh, if if he's not going to, you know, be able to provide the, the his strength, um, it's going to be tougher and tougher for the Browns to win with without Watson. Um, you know, I thought last week was during the game, the game against the Patriots in the fourth quarter, particularly after his second interception, was a good opportunity to throw Joshua Dobbs in there and just see, you know, give Brissett a break, maybe spark the offense. It was a terrible offensive game, and the coach is really adamant against that. Dobbs was one of the biggest surprises of training camp. I know it's preseason and all, but he looked good. Um, and the, the offense just needed a spark, but it doesn't, it doesn't appear that that's in the cards at all with this coaching staff. They just don't like to make changes like that. So just how special of a year is Nick Chubb off to? I think he's still leading the league in rushing. He's well over five yards of rush. Um, you know, the biggest complaint about the use of Chubb is they don't use him enough. I mean, for a while there, the first three or four games, he finally was averaging over 21 or 20 rushing attempts a game. That you know, his, his career average is 16 under this coaching staff. So you know, against New England, he touched the ball, I think, 12 or 13 times. So the, that's what's so frustrating to everybody about Chubb. He's, you know, we think in this market he's the best running back out there. And yet, uh, it seems like only the coaching staff itself can stop them. Uh, although the Patriots did a good job, but that's going to happen from time to time. Well, out here in the in the Ravens market, we also think Nick Chubb is one of the best, yeah. if not the best, running back in the league. So, hey, on the other side of the ball, John Johnson kind of made some headlines this week by saying that not everybody in the locker room was 100% committed. Uh, what was your mm-hmm. takeaway from that? I thought hats off to him showing a pulse. I mean, things are, are you know, they're they're at a total loss as to why the defense is, is playing so poorly, both against the pass and against the run. Uh, this is a team that played two pretty good games defensively against the Ravens last year, and they haven't been close to those defensive teams this year. Um, he was referring to mostly uh, 100% committed outside the building, meaning taking your work home with you, doing extra work beyond uh, what, what they do, you know, on the practice field and in the classroom and the building. And eventually he got around to really pointing to the younger players more than anyone, uh, the first and second year players, you know, but nobody has been immune to breakdowns on that defense. Veterans and, and young players alike have, have been messing up. So um, I got the feeling though from, the, the coaching standpoint that they kind of welcome those comments because uh, they, the coaches want the veteran guys to, to lead the young guys. You know, they, you know, every, every, every position group has a veteran guy to kind of patrol his position group and, and teach the younger players how to be pros. And that, that has to do with, you know, doing extra work and stuff like that, dedication and all that. So, so the coaches kind of, I thought uh, approved of what went on, um, we'll see. I don't know how, what kind of effect it'll be on anything, but uh, it's kind of been a story for two days. Hey, Tony, is there a specific matchup that you're watching that you think Cleveland likes? Well, the the way they're at right now, <laughs> every matchup is 
is tough. But, you know, the Browns' light and fast defense was built with somewhat with Lamar and, and the Ravens in mind. You know, I'm talking about Jeremiah Usa-Koromoa, who's like a 220-pound linebacker. Um, the three, you know, th- getting a third safety on the field for, for the addition of speed. And, and, and it, it, kind of, it kind of proved good last year in those two games. You know, JOK was the guy who knocked uh, Lamar out and, and really caused the downfall or continued the downfall of Ravens' season. So JOK is, is among those guys who, who have not had a great year. So, you know, maybe maybe the, 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 the site of some better times of, of a year ago and seeing the Ravens uh, will bring out the best in him. So it, to me, he's a very important player in this game for the Browns. Uh, to get their defense back on track and and to run down or contain somehow Lamar Jackson, who's been a hero in a lot of games against the Browns so far. The division is wide open. I think all mm-hmm. four teams in the AFC North are angry on Sunday. And then the thing that gives them hope is looking at all the standings that everybody's <laughs> in it. So what is the key for, for the Browns? Like what do they need to do over these next two games to do, as you said, lead the division rather than being out of it this whole season? Yeah. What's the key? Yeah, see, I, I think this division's going to be won with a 9-8 and eight record and only one team's going to make the playoffs. So, obviously, the, the games in the division are, are more than doubly important this year. And the Browns are 1-0, uh, just like the Ravens are, I think, in the, in the division, right? So, mm-hmm. um, what they have to do is somehow, defensively, uh, find what's been missing they've been miscommunicated they've they've been out of out of they haven't tackled they haven't you know run fit uh, they've given up gigantic plays in the passing game um it seems like there's been a, a leak spring up every game once they get one thing fixed then the other thing breaks out so i don't know if they could do it all in in one week and, and play their best but they're going to have to play their best. That's just on defense. Uh, you know, offensively, there's there, there's problems. Special teams, it's such, on paper, such a mismatch against the Ravens, great special team. The special teams of the Browns have cost them key, key parts of games. So somehow they have to put a complimentary game together, which they have not done at all, even in their wins. They haven't played complimentary football. So can that all come together for not only for this week, but for two weeks in a row? I don't know. They played the Bengals great last year, too, defensively. They they caused mm-hmm. Joe Burrow's worst game and Jamar Chase's worst game. Uh, and, and then the second game, you know, the, the Cincinnati had clinched, so they just played their, their backups. So the opportunity is there for the Browns. And, and that's why I think if, 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 if they don't come out of this two-game stretch with two wins, I think things are going to just spiral downward from here. All right, Tony, last one before we get your prediction, if you're willing to give it. Uh, as you well know, Harbaugh has been highly criticized over the last year or so for some situational aggressiveness, specifically on fourth down, going for two, you name it. I know that Kevin Stefanski hasn't been immune to similar criticism. Where do you feel his job security is right now? He's going to follow what their analytics tell him, Kevin does, so that any any blunders in that parts of the game are not going to hurt him because he's, in my opinion, doing what they want him to do and following the script of what the analytics department tells him. 
But the owner didn't pay $230 million guaranteed to Deshaun Watson to see this team lose 10 or 11 games. And even though Watson is suspended for 11 games, you know, I just don't think there's going to be a free pass on that count when they let games slip away like they have. So um, the record is obviously going to be the deciding point. And, you know, no, no uh, coach under the Jimmy Haslam ownership has survived three years, <laughs> uh, believe it or not. Um, and that's 10 years of ownership. Um, wow. So only the second one to, to reach his third year. Hugh Jackson was the first, and he was fired at midseason. I don't see an in-season, in-season thing happening. But if this thing goes in the sewer, and I'm talking, you know, double-digit losses like six and eleven, or even seven and seven and ten's close. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at anything that happens. Now Watson comes back for the final five games, and the, and the whole theory was keep the Browns afloat, which it could be Brissett, and just hope that Watson you know, turns returns to his form. It'll be, what, 700 days since Watson's last game when he finally takes the yeah. field on December right. 4th. So that's no guarantee either. So I, I just know the history of the ownership here is is there, there aren't many excuses and uh, uh, it, 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 it could go, it could go uh, sour real fast. All right, Tony, we always do game predictions on here, even though Bobby hates them. Uh, if you're if you're willing or if you're in the Bobby camp, but if do you have a game prediction with the score? I usually don't come up with my score because I do a weekly prediction like everyone else in the media on Friday. I am on record in, in town as saying the Browns are going to win this game. And, and my my biggest reasoning is, you know, they seem to have solved something last year against Lamar. And maybe they could rekindle that. <laughs> But also, I just can't believe the C. Brown season would be over after eight games, which is what's going to happen, like I said, if they don't win these games. So it's more out of a hope just to extend the season a little bit longer. But uh, I'm picking them to win, and um, I, it'll be a low-scoring game in the low 20s, I think. Appreciate the time, Tony. All right, we'll see how it goes. Good stuff there from Tony Grossi over at ESPN Cleveland, along with his 100 Days podcast. Uh, Bobby, what stuck out to you from what he had to say? Yeah, so I don't know if I've been on record for saying this, but I, I don't think I've said it on the air at least, but I've said it with, you know, in locker room talking with the guys and, and stuff. But I think the Browns are actually going to regret getting rid of Baker Mayfield. And I know his play certainly hasn't, he's hurt right now, but I know his play hasn't backed that statement up so far in Carolina, but I mean, how many guys would have, you know, transitioned well, given the circumstances that, that he was faced with. And I'm not saying he handled himself, you know, with flying colors and passed with flying colors during his time in Cleveland, but I thought they dealt him, you know, a pretty tough blow there by just moving on. And especially after, his role that he played in bringing Cleveland back to relevance. So I guess my, it's a long way of saying my biggest takeaway is I'm not surprised that the fan base and maybe even the locker room, even though I think that's a, that might be a little bit of a reach based on what Tony said uh, is divided right now based on the decision that the Haslam family made in making Deshaun Watson, not only their franchise guy, but the highest paid quarterback when it comes to guaranteed money and resetting the entire market. I would be divided personally if I lived in Cleveland as well. I know you would. Well, it's funny because, well, yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, I and I live in Ohio, so I hear I, I talk to people all the time and it's just like they it's like, ew, ew. But they also want to win. And it's just like even like not just divided with each other, but divided within themselves, you know, because you still want to root on your team. But yeah, they don't. It's just, you know, it's just like, ew, why, why did we do this, you know, type thing. So, um, yeah, and I guess my takeaway is just how similar, which stinks because you don't want to feel similar to the Browns, but like him talking about Kevin Stefanski, you know, abandoning, abandoning the run. All right. That was like the complaint last week against the Giants. And then him talking about, you know, just in-game decision-making, is same thing with with John Harbaugh. People are upset and just feeling like this is a massive win, and it is. I mean, a massive game. Um, I don't know that the se- Ravens season is over if they lose it. The Brown season, you mean? What did I say? <laughs> yeah, he said the Brown season is is over if they don't win. Right, right. You you, you said the the Ravens season. <laughs> oh my bad, my bad. Yeah. So he said the Brown season is over if they don't win. I don't feel that way about the Ravens, but I still think it's a massive win it's a massive game either way, just for like the morale and having it in the division, all of it. So, and it is kind of funny to me. I like that he admitted that he chose the Browns purely (laughs) out of hope. (laughs) Just hope. He's just, you don't want to live in a world where they're like, the season's over, especially if like you're covering the team full time and by week eight, the season's over. Woof, you know? So, or week seven, I guess. So, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciated that he, he like was transparent about that. So, so those are our takeaways. He literally doesn't need to justify that reasoning, right? Like I would be in the same boat. Come on. It's a 17 game, 18 week season. You don't want it to be over and doom and gloom before November hits. So yeah, he's definitely in his right there. Feels like groundhog's day. And then. And I'm sure he gets the same thing that we and all of the the Baltimore market gets that ticked off fans, you know, they want to like lash out at you because they can't lash out at the team, you know, they don't have that connection to them. And so she's like, oh, do we have to do this for this many weeks? Is this is this what's happening? (laughs) All right. So those are our takeaways from Tony. And now that we've dived pretty deep in on the Browns, let's kind of change gears here a little bit, Bobby. Let's dive in a little bit more to the week that the Ravens have had. Now, uh, it has not been a very welcoming place on uh, social media these days. The Ravens Twitter, Ravens YouTube, Ravens everything. It just feels toxic. Feels toxic, and I think that's what happens when teams are just underperforming. The Ravens have said it all week, right? It's not that other teams are beating the Ravens. The Ravens have had double-digit leads in all three of their losses. They are shooting themselves in the foot, melting down at the wrong times, not coming up in big moments. That is their problem right now. It's it's who they're looking at in the mirror. Sir, they've as as we touched on in our instant reaction episode after the Giants loss, the Ravens have trailed for a total of 120 seconds in their three losses combined. Like it's the margin for error really is something. And to your point, the sloppiness that we've seen on both sides of the football, but specifically uh, when it comes to the penalties on offense has been uncharacteristic of a John Harbaugh led team. That's the type of thing where, okay, you could say that in some ways that may be on the coaches when it comes to overall discipline, but we both know at the end of the day, 
it's player execution. And so I think while it's been discouraging to see the ways in which those penalties have been debilitating and killed drives and really helped decide football games in their three losses, I do believe they're correctable. It's just a matter of when and how. Yeah, and what's crazy is that when I look back on the three losses in these, there's clearly a theme of them giving up, you know, these leads. But it's just interesting how it's happened. Like, you know, again, to have these collapses, nobody's without blame. But if you were to rank them, the biggest reason for that loss in, in, in Miami or against Miami was the defense, in my view. Uh, other things contributed, but defense was number one. In the Bills game, that one I think you could put more on coaching. There was some decision-making that I know both you and I disagreed with on fourth down and in key moments. So that, to me, number one was coaching. And then this last game, that loss against the Giants was I would. I would put more on execution like you just said. It was those penalties when you're flinching at the line of scrimmage, not lining up correctly. I suppose coaches could bail them out here and there with a timeout, but there's only so many times you can do that. Like, you just got to execute right. So so that second game, I put more on coaching. That second loss, I mean, and and the third one, I would put on on the, the self-inflicted wounds, which included the penalties, and then obviously Lamar Jackson's um, – uh, turnover when he was trying to make something out of, you know, what was already a disaster. So that's that's how I would pin it all. And so it's crazy because it's always different things, but I guess it's, if you're looking for a positive out of, out of that, is it's that, okay, it's not that they can't get better at something. It's just a different, you know, demon is popping up, you know? So, uh, and John Harbaugh talked about that. That's what he said. He said, for us to turn this around, it's just about us. Take a listen. Yeah, we've got to take responsibility for that. We've got to find a way to do it. And it comes to coaches and players. I mean, we've got to come up with calls. We've got to coach our guys better in those situations. You know, be in the right spot, play the right leverage, block the play the correct way, whatever it might be. Uh, those are the things we've got to do a better job of. And players have got to take responsibility as well. It's just us. And I told them it's us. It's us together. All of us together. Uh, it's six games into the season. Uh, you know, we're in good position, big picture-wise. Let's get to where we can be and where we need to be, where I think we all can see we should be. Uh, it's our responsibility to do it, though, and we got to go get the job done. Sarah, it goes without saying that in the Lamar Jackson era with John Harbaugh over the last four-plus seasons, these types of losses so far this season, right, like very, very almost unheard of when it comes to coughing up these, these leads, the lack of execution, the sloppiness. Here's Lamar because he's not happy at all about these losses and based on how he himself has played as well. We pissed off about losing. Um, every, everyone there's you no, know, our fans pissed off, you know, all of us pissed off, but at the same time, you know, we, we gotta, we can't dwell on it. You know, we gotta move on, get, get focused on the Browns and the young guys, you know, they, they dialed in as well. You know, everybody focusing up. You just ready to go out there and put on the show, you know, cause we so mad. So clearly he is frustrated. Clearly he's upset, but at the same time, you don't, feel like the sky's falling right by in some ways the vocal minority online certainly feels as if that's the case Lamar understands this is a marathon not a sprint there's six weeks into an 18 game season seven I'm sorry 17 game season 18 week season and he understands that uh, the sky is not falling right now the division is within grasp and all of this can be put in the rearview mirror if they can find a way to stack four quarters of good play, not three quarters, four quarters. Yeah, and I like I like kind of the balance he's striking there, Lamar, where he's saying, yeah, we're ticked off. Good. You should be ticked off because, you know, 
I've been around teams that have a losing culture. They don't get ticked off when they lose because it's just kind of what's expected. So good, be ticked off. But I also like the balance with that where he's saying at the same time, we're, when we're in the fourth quarter, we can't overthink it. And I do think that's that's true. When you have, this is like a coming of age, right? Lamar's no longer a young rookie, but he's not exactly a seasoned veteran. He's still on his rookie contract. This is kind of like that coming of age that we've seen lots of other players go through of like just figuring out when is the right time to put the cape on as he has done so many times. And then when's the right time to just be smart throw a ball away and live for the next series, you know? And so I like that he's saying he doesn't want to overthink it Um, because when you overthink it and you try to press, that is when bad mistakes happen. So be ticked off, let it light a fire under you, but don't press. Don't, don't try to make things out of something that's just not there. So, uh, you know, I said it on a morning vault this morning. I have not lost faith in Lamar at all. And that extends to the rest of the team too. I just see, Bobby, I see so much talent on this team. And I and it's only getting healthier, right? Like we know Gus Edwards, if he doesn't play this week, it's probably next week. Tyus Bowser, right behind him. David Ojabo, right behind him. Charlie Kohler, right behind those three guys. Rashad Bateman, return to practice. Justin Houston, return to practice. You are already putting up these big leads. You're moving the ball between the 20s. Your defense is getting better. You have eight games with straight with at least one takeaway. That's a current NFL streak, the longest streak that there is. It just feels like there's so many good things. And so it's just put it together. And Bobby, I just feel like it's around the corner. I think that's well said, right? Aside from the fourth quarter, there's a lot to like about this team. And aside from 120 game seconds, there could be a lot to like about this team, like a lot, a lot. So uh, again, it's it's the NFL, a couple games, a couple little glitches in the giddy up, a couple little mental errors sometimes are the difference. Most times, most week, most weeks end up being the difference. What could end up being a slight little difference for this offense and specifically the passing attack is the addition of 35-year-old NFL veteran who's now in his 15th season, Deshaun Jackson. Of course, spent his uh, beginning six years and really made a name for himself as a Philadelphia Eagle. He had stints with a number of other teams, including last year with the Vegas Raiders and the LA Rams. He thinks he's still got it, Sarah. Lamar spoke about whether or not he feels the same this week. Look like Deshaun, when he first got got to the league, got introduced to the league, still floating around, running great routes. You know, I'm excited. Oh, man, uh, I feel like God's going to have to play him off because he's still flying. Like Even though it's year 15 for him, it looked like year one. Um, he's going to bring a lot to the table for us. You know, he's going to have to see if he get out there. John Harbaugh was asked about whether Deshaun Jackson will play this week against the Browns with what will likely be just three practices under his belt. We'll just see where it goes. He's on the practice squad, uh, did his job today in the practice squad, looked good, looked like he's in shape. Uh, we'll just take it from there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Bobby, I'm not as confident as I was with Jason Pierre-Paul. There was just no outside linebackers (laughs) to play. And so I was like, yeah, they're throwing them in out of desperation. I think that with um, Rashad Bateman coming back, if Rashad's good to go, but hey, they may want to have him on a on a limited pitch count uh, with that foot injury coming back. So Harbaugh also indicated that that James Prochet was going to play a lot in the next couple of weeks. He said that, you know, with a bigger, some bigger pack or bigger bodied defenses, uh, they haven't put Prochet up as much, but he indicated it would be more. Uh, we'll see about that. But still, if I had to, if I had to like lean one way or the other, I could see Deshaun Jackson out there uh, this week after just, you know, a half a week of practice because he's this 15-year veteran. His bread and butter has always been to just burners, right? Take take the top off of defenses. Now, I'm I'm curious as to how fast he really is. I was kind of surprised uh, when Ed Reed came out. And you know what? Maybe we'll just jump to this right here. NFL Live crew talking about how fast he is. Let's get to that, and and I'll explain why I was surprised. Baltimore gets an explosive receiver who can stretch the field. And I don't care what DB you have. He is going to have to have his Lamborghini shoes on that day because Deshaun Jackson, he's a beast. I hope that everything is well with him physically. He's been taking care of himself. I'm sure Baltimore did their homework and due diligence. I'm sure Deshaun is excited, you know, and and Lamar is excited because he gets another weapon. You know, you get somebody on the other side. You get a vet in the locker room, somebody who's played before, who's been there, you know, and, and, and been through some things who can help some people. And that certainly adds speed. How healthy is he going to be? How reliable can he be during that time frame? Mark Andrews is the focal point of their pass game. Bateman's got to get healthy. All that stuff. Yeah, that's made some plays for sure. But the Bateman it injury. adds speed. But I don't want to put all my eggs in this basket. Yeah, yeah I, I think for me, it changes the dynamic of this team because of Lamar Jackson. 
and it gives you a little bit more room to operate, right? Like, we all know Deshaun may not come in and light the world on fire, but we know when he's streaking down the middle of the field, you got to respect that as a defense. And I think Lamar has gotten in a little bit of trouble of not having that threat available to him. So if you just say, hey, Deshaun, take off and let me work everything underneath this, for Lamar Jackson and his eyes and the way he's struggling late in games, I think it could be an advantage if they can create something. This puts Greg Roman on call. It has nothing to do for me with the quarterback. The biggest thing is about awareness and acceptance. They're aware of who they are and what they don't have on the outside. They've accepted it, and now they're trying to do something to correct it, and that's yeah. what Deshaun Jackson is about. I'm not sure that he's enough, but it's at least a step in the right direction. All right, well, Deshaun Jackson isn't going to be running any 40s that the Ravens are going to release his, his speed on, so um, I don't know if this NFL live crew is just remembering what Deshaun was or if they have some sort of insider information. I mean, I'm sure he's still fast. Um, I, I just wonder how fast he is at 35. But either way, if he's meant to be this downfield target to kind of open things up uh, for the Ravens offense underneath, Deshaun can do that. He can do that with three practices under his belt. He could get act. He could be elevated from the practice squad and they can say, Deshaun, go, you know, run these uh, go routes. Just go take the top off and open things up underneath. And if you happen to be open, you know, Lamar will get you that ball. So I could absolutely see him playing this Sunday. The only problem is, and we mentioned this on, on the morning vault this week, is, man, it's not going to matter who's out there trying to take the tops off of defenses. If Lamar, let's face it doesn't improve his accuracy with this year's deep ball. It's just a 20% completion rate right now of balls that travel, I believe, 20 air yards. Like, that's just not going to cut it. And it's been the overthrow that's hurt Lamar in a number of different instances that in a lot of ways help decide games. Here's Deshaun himself in the locker room speaking about what made him want to come to Baltimore. And I've been keeping my eye on Lamar for a, for, for a little, little while now, man. Um, you know, I see a lot of characteristics and kind of, you know, similar to Michael Vick, but you know, he's, he's beat some of his records. So obviously he's, he's the new area of Michael Vick. But, um, you know, for me, being able to play with a Michael Vick and, you know, first time being able to come and play with uh, Lamar, you know, it's a blessing for me, man. Just, you know, being an older guy, but, you know, still being able to see a lot in him that, you know, kind of was in Michael Vick. So I'm just excited to be able to be here. Kind of had a relationship with him. I know him, you know, over the past years, but, uh, I've never been able to play with him, so now being able to play with him, I'm very excited about that and you know, look forward to doing some, some great things for him. Okay, so back to whether or not we, we see Deshaun suiting up on Sunday, Sarah. How about this? Let's just throw out this scenario. We know that Nick Boyle has either been, on game day, inactive or used very, very little by the Ravens' offensive staff. Part of that has to do with the tight end room being so strong and deep. And I think a good part of that is just based on where he is right now in his career after that debilitating knee injury that we've talked about at length back in 2020 on that rainy night in Foxborough. If you're not planning to use him, which I don't know what's going to change this week that's different than the previous six, but if you do not plan on using him, why wouldn't you place him, not dress Nick, and activate Deshaun from the practice squad and at least see what he has and, uh, you know, go from there. Yeah, I think that's a logical place to look at. I mean, I'm just looking at Nick Boyle's um, snap count from the Giants game. He had five snaps, so that's 8%. Um, and the Ravens have 
three other tight ends plus uh, Pat Ricard. Um, assuming Pat plays, he's been on the injury report, but he's been on the injury report for a couple weeks and he's always out there. So, uh, yeah. And, and, and if it's not as heavy a, a personnel, um, as Harbaugh alluded to, which is why he said he didn't use Prochet as much, then yeah, this is the time. Nick, Nick Boyle, they just aren't using him. They've, it's an easy, in my view, call to make him inactive. I guess you could do somebody else if you need to, but if you were inactive, I, I think that'd be totally fine. And, and then trying to get Deshaun to, to stretch stretch the, the offense and stretch those defenses. One quick thought on James Prochet. We talked about this at length on number episode 82 with some of Steve Smith seniors comments about the Ravens offense and where the struggles are and where blame should be pointed at and all that good stuff between Steve's sort of confidence in James Prochet and also John Harbaugh going out of his way to say this week that Prochet is going to be a big part of this offense moving forward. I'm a little confused. Like I'm all for head coaches gassing up their guys like and and Harbs has done that over the years. There's no there's no question about that. I'm not going to hold my breath at all, Sarah. Like it's unfortunately for James, he's been labeled as the guy like it seems like multiple years now coming out of training camp, coming out of preseason He's the one like he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the breakthrough player for this offense. And unfortunately, it hasn't translated from, you know, good work in the preseason, good work in training camp. Really, he's been a training camp star that hasn't translated to regular season play. And I don't know why that would be different this week or in the future based on what we've seen. He's barely even been used. He's barely been used. So I guess you could say, well, maybe he hasn't had the opportunity, whether that's due to um coaches not giving him more opportunities or that's due to injury right like he he i believe missed the entire preseason if i'm not mistaken after he did come out with with um you know good reports from training camp so so injuries have definitely gotten in his way this year but i am not of the belief that if he were tearing it up during the season and he and lamar were showing you know big chemistry that they'd be like ah we're not going to feature him anyway you know what i mean so like but listen the only reason why i'm say- i'm like i guess leaving the door open although it's not with like a ton of confidence or hope is that if harbaugh's saying he's going to be featured a lot more I-, I mean maybe he said that because it was in the context of somebody saying like okay you brought in deshaun jackson what is that how how is prochet feeling about that so of course he's going to gas up his his players. So, um, so we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what kind of opportunities he gets. And then once we see that he gets more opportunities and he's in the game, even if Lamar doesn't target him, that will say something. If he's in the game and he's running routes but not getting a ball thrown his way, then that that to me is more like, well, you know, Lamar and Prochet aren't really like hitting it off, you know. So uh, I'm willing to give it a couple more weeks to see, you know, if. Harbaugh's talk and Steve Smith's talk translates into something over the next couple weeks. All right, Bobby, let's transition a little bit into the the game. Well, I guess real quick, do you feel like Rashad Bateman will play this week? He's he's returned to practice uh, in a limited capacity Wednesday. I, I do. I think he'll be out there. It's obviously a foot sprain, a left foot sprain that he's dealing with now, and have he's been dealing with for multiple weeks. He was taken out of the Bills game and then walked out of the bank with a boot on. We've discussed that. So they're probably going to want to be careful with him. And I'll be curious to see how much they actually use him. But I do think he dresses on Sunday. How about you? Yeah, I agree. This isn't like, um, you know, uh, any of the guys that got injured last year and are coming back from season-ending injuries. So, like, obviously, um, 
Stanley had this big ramp, I mean, really big ramp up period. J.K. Dobbins had a ramp up period. Bowser, Gus, so like all of them are having ramp up periods. Rashad suffered a minor injury that kept him out for two weeks. So while I could see them um, being careful with how many snaps he's taking, uh, yeah, I think unless there's a setback, I think he's going to play. And the only person I'm really curious about, there's four guys that are in that 21 uh, day window where they get, they're allowed to return to practice from either the PUP list or injured reserve or, in Ojaba's case, the uh, non-football injury list. All of them are in that 21-day window. The person that I think would probably have the best chance is Gus, especially if well, – I'm, I'm saying that because he's returned first to practice, number one. Number two, based off of reports, I'm thinking specifically from Jeff Zrebeck, he looks good. And number three, J.K. Dobbins is in question. J.K. Dobbins' knee started to tighten up on him. He couldn't go in the second half of the Giants. He didn't practice Wednesday. As of this recording, we still don't know what's happening in Thursday or Friday's practice. So uh, so we'll see. So so Gus, I'm going to be looking at, and maybe maybe an outside j- chance for Bowser, but I, I still think it's it's too early for him. Okay, let's transition over to the game and some keys to the game, kind of the strategies from both sides. What are you seeing happening in this game? So I think much like... Last week's conversation entailed with Saquon Barkley and the Giants rushing attack is, you know, can the Ravens stop what the Browns want to do? They want to play smash mouth football and they want to use Nick Chubb, who's one of the best running backs in the entire league, who who's coming in with a hefty 5.9 yards per carry. Sarah, much like they did last week, stack that box, get an extra player in there. Seal up the edge there, be stout and and physical at the point of attack in the interior defensive line. As Harbs always says, they have the men for the job. A game captain this week for the first time in his young career is Justin Matabike. That tells you where he is in his development. I think he's been fierce and mean in the interior part of that line. And uh, it's a very, I would have to think, it's not a spinning image, not a spinning image, but a very similar game plan to last week. Where do you fall? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it is it is very, very similar game plan. You want to make their offense one-dimensional. So you the the Jacoby Brissett has just not been playing well to the point where media after last week's game asked uh Kevin Stefanski if he was considering making a change at quarterback from Jacoby Brissett to Joshua Dobbs. Um, And so, of course, his head coach, you know, is sticking with him and whatnot. But just the fact that the questions are coming up lets you know that he's not playing very well. And and the difference between Jacoby Brissett and Daniel Jones from last week is neither one of them are lighting the the world on fire. But um, Daniel Jones played mistake free football. And so the the Giants just could lay in the weeds waiting for the Ravens to to uh, shoot themselves in the foot. Well, the Browns have been shooting themselves in the foot also. <laughs> like they've been, the Browns are doing brown, brownie things, you know. Um, game management decisions. Uh, Brissett with, he had two, two interceptions last week. Um, so if the Ravens can do to Nick Chubb what they did to Saquon Barkley, which is, 
Nick and and uh, Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley, they're number one and number two leading the league in rushing yards. And the, uh, they the Ravens held Saquon Barkley to 3.8 yards per game. Nick Chubb is averaging 5.9. I mean, Saquon was right up there with that same same uh, average. And so you you shut down Nick Chubb. I just don't have any faith in Jacoby Brissett. So that's on that side. And then, oh my gosh, you flip the sides as Tony alluded to. The Browns' defense has just been terrible. They made Pats, the Patriots' rookie quarterback Bailey Zappi look like he was Tom Brady. He had 309 yards, two touchdowns, and almost 120 passer rating. So again, the Ravens mostly need to focus on protecting Lamar from Miles Garrett. He's been a monster. Five sacks this season, two last week, got a sack strip. So just don't let Miles Garrett ruin things by getting after Lamar Jackson. And then this Browns defense is just, I, I was watching highlights from their past games. They're just blown coverages, wide open lanes. I mean, they've been terrible. They've given up 30 points in half of their games. So, you know, just shut down Nick Chubb, pay attention to Miles Garrett, and don't shoot yourself in the foot, Ravens, and you should easily win this game. It'll be really interesting to see what kind of storylines we're talking about fast forward to uh, December, week 15, when these two teams match up again. Because unlike this week, Deshaun Watson will be under center for the Cleveland Browns. And it'll be his third game back from his suspension. He returns week 13 against his former team, the Houston Texans, which really NFL, you really feel like, was that just a coincidence, Sarah? I think not. <laughs> but um, but again, if this team can hang around, which right now they're, they're faltering, right? Two and four, but they have a division that's beating, beating each other up so often that maybe they hang around and find a way to play 500 football up until week 13. And, and I could see them being in the conversation, you know, come winter time, but uh, with no Deshaun Watson, you're right. And Jacoby Percet, you got to The Ravens have to dare Jacoby to beat him. And I like their, I like their odds for that. All right. So let's jump into our game predictions. I feel like I always have you go first. So if you want, I can go first this time. And you know, what's kind of funny too. And I definitely want you to go first. What's funny is because of our issue, technically speaking, last week, we never even released a game preview. So technically, yeah. I am still undefeated on record, even <laughs> though I did not pick the Ravens. last. I did pick the Ravens last week and they lost. But don't worry. Don't worry. I know I am five and one. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On public record, you're five and oh. But we yeah, we both know you're five and one, which is better than me. Uh, I'm pretty sure what have I gotten wrong? Let's see. Or what have I gotten right? Should be more of the question. I feel like I predicted one of the Ravens losses. Yeah, it was against, uh, the bills. So I've gotten two wrong. So I'm four and two, four and two. Yep. All right. Both above so 500 partner. Both above 500, which is more than you can say for the Ravens right now or the Browns. All right. So <laughs> here's what I got. The Ravens should beat this team. This is a bad team. This is not a good team. Nothing is going right for this team, this Browns team. The Ravens can't, you know how you, I don't know if you're the same way, but whenever in sports, if I played a bad team, I myself played worse. I was more sloppy, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then against good teams, I always felt like it brought out the best in me. That, the Ravens can't let that happen. 
they can't, they have to get rid of their sloppiness. If they need to play, you know, just for one game, what the Giants did last week, which is just, you play you, play to your strengths, wait in the weeds, and just let the Browns be the Browns. Because they're going to have blown coverages, they're going to mess things up, they're going to be the Browns. So you don't need to be crazy this week. You don't need to be, Greg Roman actually doesn't need to open his vault, I don't feel like, this week. Okay, just... Play a smart game. You're a more talented team. So just play the cleaner game. And I am predicting that they will, for the most part, with a win, 27 to 20. Yeah, the problem is with the prediction game these days, Sarah, is, well, there's always a problem with the prediction game, if you ask me. But right now, <laughs> specifically, we, like, we just don't trust this team. You know, like we, we just don't trust this team. And so yeah. it's it's difficult to to pick them week in and week out for these games that on paper and on you know quote unquote they're supposed to win because they were supposed to beat a Giants team that's playing good football and they probably should have beat a Giants team that's playing good football. So anyway, I'm going to lean towards the Ravens here. They're favored by six and a half. Uh, the over under, I believe, is is in the mid to high 40s. I think it, it it's around there. I will take the over. Um, I'm, I'm going to get the Ravens back to their 30 point threshold. But that's that's really only if, you know, Lamar can can find a way to pinpoint that accuracy with the deep ball, right? Whether that's getting Devin Duvernay involved, even if Deshaun Jackson doesn't end up being an element or a factor in this game, I'd like to see, we know the mainstay Mark Andrews, whether it's down the field, along the middle, running slants in the slot, you name it. We know he's the mainstay. We know he's going to be there, but who's going to be the emerging number two option who brings this offense to the next level? I want it to be Devin Duvernay. I know he's capable of being exactly that because he's shown that he is. I think he will have a big game on Sunday against Cleveland. The Ravens find a way to get into that 30-point range, 30-24, to 24, Ravens over the Browns. Oh, I like that. I like that. Man, I hope you're right. And, and hey, just in terms of Duvernay, I do think, we've mentioned this before, I do think he's benefited from when Bateman's out there versus not. Um, it's tough to be the number one guy that everybody's looking at. But if Bateman's out there and and teams have to worry about Mark Andrews and Bateman, then yeah, Dev- Devin DuVernay's got more opportunities there. So hopefully with Bateman back, um, you know, he'll he'll be able to return to what he was kind of doing earlier in the season. So, all right, Bobby, that's it. We've got it on record. We've got our picks in. We appreciate Tony Grossi from Cleveland, ESPN Cleveland. And uh, him coming on and giving us an inside look at the Browns. Um, check out other things that we've got coming out. We have um, Morning Volts we've done with Steve Smith talking about the team. We've kind of dissected Rashad Bateman and his cryptic tweet about uh, after Deshaun Jackson was was signed to the team. Uh, and then we'll be here with our post-game instant reaction analysis. Oh, and Bobby, this is going to be our first time, right? We're going to do a video. For you too. Yeah, we are. So reaction? this is this is pretty exciting. So as as you probably heard from us in closing and even in our intros as well on the Morning Vault episodes, you know Monday through Friday, we've taken we've been dabbling in YouTube and we've been really having a lot of fun. We just reached one of our early goals of a thousand subscriptions, and we've literally just been posting our episodes audio only with a nice graphic slapped on it uh, to YouTube. 
We're now going to start to dabble with some on-camera stuff. And like you said, Sarah, post-game instant reaction episode will be on camera. We're looking forward to it. And again, that'll be after the game, after the game on Sunday, uh, after this one finishes up. So probably, um, are we going to do it live or are we going to record it? What are we thinking? I was just going to ask you the same thing. Well, I, I don't care. I'll do either one. Whatever's easier for you on the back end. Okay. All right. Well, we will. Yeah. How about this? We'll leave it out there for grabs and we'll see. You guys will hear from us one way or the other. We got some stuff to figure out on the back end logistically. But uh, but yeah, that that is something that we are moving towards. We're loving that new platform. And as always, if you have feedback for us, hit us up uh, via email at BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. If you haven't yet and you want to start to kind of consume con- some content on a different platform like YouTube, go check us out. You can subscribe it is free and it, and it does help us and allow us to continue bringing you uh, daily content on, on all things Raven. So looking forward to that partner. Yeah. And I'll just say this, I, I, look, we started this with the pure intention of doing audio only on, you know, your typical podcasts. And that's actually been doing, going really well, but Bobby knows this. I have been shocked by how quickly we've grown on YouTube just shocked it's just a completely different platform it took us 31 days 31 days to be to hit that first goal um and and it's just it's just amazing so again i we appreciate everybody that's listening to us and supporting us it's just it's overwhelming it's overwhelming so we're happy to be bringing you all content we hope that you'll keep listening and like bobby said send us any questions or feedback at baltimore ravens vault at gmail.com. So, all right, you heard it here. We got our predictions in. Come back and meet us after the game on the Ravens Vault. Ah!